The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We are going to start off this show with a story. And not just any story, a dog story. And not just any dog story, a story about my dog. And not just any dog, but my dog, Drax. Drax the Destroyer. His full name is Draximus Jump Up Again, Mosey Nolan. He has a hyphenated last name, so in case there was a question there, it's very important that we understand the full name of Draximus Jump Up Again, Mosey Nolan. You see, when I get home, my dog is very excited to see me. And he comes out to see me and immediately enters a very conflicted state. He simultaneously wants to do all of the following things. He wants to bring me a toy. He wants to go outside a potty. And he also wants to make sure that he's with his brothers. The issue is he's not allowed to take his toy outside. I'm telling him to drop it because the toy is actually a slipper and only one of his brothers goes outside right away so he can go outside with his brother but he doesn't get to keep his toy he can keep his toy but then he has to stay inside and if he stays inside i'm telling him to drop it because the toy is actually a slipper he can jump on me but i won't give him loves if he has the slipper until he drops it There are multiple competing priorities for Drax in this moment. And he struggles. He'll drop it, and then he'll pick it back up again, and he'll go outside and then immediately turn around and want to come back inside again. And he'll want to go outside with his brother, but then his brother comes back inside and he wants to come back inside. And 
he gets very confused because there's lots of competing priorities. This podcast drops the day of the first round of the 2023 NFL draft. But I specifically put this section of the podcast in a place where it can apply regardless of when you may be finding yourself listening to it. The draft is about competing priorities. You don't get to have everything you want because you live in a limited resource environment. And priorities take precedence in your life when your resources are limited. No matter what that resource is, time, money, energy, draft capital, cap dollars, these are all limited resources. And priorities become important when resources are limited. They're not important when resources aren't limited. It is the limiting of the resources that makes the priorities matter at all. I recently finished watching an NBC comedy drama called The Good Place, which I very much enjoyed. But one of the questions tackled by that show is, if you are part of eternity, if you can do anything you want, whenever you want, forever, does any of it really matter? Does what you want to do even matter when nothing is limited? That We hear this phrase sometimes, but it doesn't really sink into us. We say money is no object or things like that. But it's hard for us to wrap our head around because money is always some semblance of object. But can you fathom immortality, having an unlimited amount of time? Your priorities don't really matter that much because you never have to suffer any consequences for the bad priorities. But we live in a resource-limited environment every day in our life and inside the football team-building world. You cannot simultaneously get the best offensive tackle and the best receiver and the best linebacker. You are not going to come out of this draft thinking everything got handled perfectly. You can't. It's not possible. Because you have a limited amount of resources. You can't come out. There's no such thing as a perfect mock draft. I've seen a lot of good mock drafts out there. Every single one of them has a flaw. And so will the real thing. The real thing is going to have a flaw. The Bills are probably not going to address linebacker meaningfully for this year and moving forward, address defensive tackle because they don't have anybody under contract for 2024 in a meaningful way, add wide receiver talent, get a tight end too, get an offensive tackle to hedge against Spencer Brown, get interior offensive lineman who we feels good to go ahead and take over for Mitch Morse. Add some depth to places that we need to. Maybe a safety that can take over late. That's not going to happen. You're not going to get all of these things. You might get some of them, but you won't get all of them because it's a matter of prioritization. 
And oftentimes the way we feel about a mock draft after it's over is about our priorities lining up with the team's priorities, which is fine. That's completely fine. That's where you get mock draft grades. It's how the person's priorities who's doing the analysis lined up with the team's priorities. That person's opinion of what the team needed and how they did versus what the team felt like they needed and how they did. All that stuff's fine. But we live in a limited resource environment. And just like Drax, you can't have everything simultaneously. You have to prioritize. Drax has to decide. And just so you know, I want to let you know, the way that he prioritizes is he does not go outside with his brothers. He would rather be in the room with me, having me tell him to drop the slipper. He'd much rather be there. He wants to go outside. He'll, he'll kind of like jump out there sometimes and come right back in. But ultimately, that's the way he sides. And maybe for me, that might be offensive tackle. And for you, that might be wide receiver. And for someone else, it might be running back. Trade up for B. John Robinson, they might say. But there is no version of the draft that will make everybody 100% happy. And there's no version that's going to make you 100% happy. You might say, you know what? They did really well because their priorities seem to align with mine. But there's a lot of needs. Remember last offseason? We talked about need doesn't always mean now. And how if you really dive into what a team needs, there's a ton of them for every team. A massive amount. We just talked about a couple. Linebacker, now. Defensive tackle, next year. Wide receiver, next year. Tight end two, probably now. Interior offensive lineman coming up soon. Safety, who knows. Running back maybe next year, depending on if you feel Damian Harris is going to get re-signed again to a one-year deal. All of a sudden, your team has a ton of needs when you start examining what it is you need in the long term. They're not going to fill all of them with the best possible player. They might fill all of them by checking a box, You might go through and go, okay, position, 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 good, cool. But not every one of them is going to be optimal talent to fill that need long term. It's not going to happen. It's a matter of competing priorities. Speaking of competing priorities and speaking about specific needs, I want to talk about a very specific role in an offense in the NFL. I posed four wide receivers on social media this week to Twitter. And I said, if you drafted a player and they had this person's career, are they worth a first round pick? Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson, Devery Henderson, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. All of them were high yards per reception leader. All of them were high yards per target leaders, known primarily as deep threats. I wanted to make sure that I used people who were deep threats, primarily known as that. So there couldn't be a stylistic discussion around them as to whether or not they're deep threats. All four of these players over the course of their careers have been or were known as deep threat wide receivers. The overwhelming consensus on three of those four players was that they would not be worth a first-round pick. I needed to use 
one of the best deep threat players in the history of football before I got a consensus yes on whether or not that person would have been worth a first round pick. And that was Deshaun Jackson. Devery Henderson was an overwhelming no. Will Fuller was a no. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was a no. Receivers who win deep are great. But winning more often where most of the throws actually go is better than winning more often where less of the throws go. Deep threat targets are valuable. They are not, however, complete players. You don't want to say, well, I want to have a number two player who's a deep threat. No, I want to have a number two player who's a complete player. Unless they happen to be one of the greatest deep threat players in the history of football, Deshaun Jackson. I don't want Jalen Hyatt as a number two receiver in the Buffalo Bills offense. That doesn't mean I don't like Jalen Hyatt. That simply means that what he does well, what he profiles to, is valuable, but not as a number two player. It's the same type of skill set that you get from Devery Henderson, from Marquez Valdez-Scantling, from Will Fuller. And if I have a player who I want to come in and be a number two receiver, I have Gabriel Davis coming into the last year of his contract, and I have Stephon Diggs, Getting close to 30. I want a complete player as my number two who could potentially be a number one moving forward. But I don't want Jalen Hyatt as a number two because he can only win down the field. Does this not kind of apply to our current number two receiver in Gabriel Davis? I like Jalen Hyatt, not at 27 as your number two. I don't want that kind of player to get 90 targets because if that kind of player gets 90 targets, those 90 targets will have a higher A dot and that will push up the quarterback's A dot, which will make them less efficient. A dot in this case being average distance of target. Is this not the same conversation we're having about Gabriel Davis? It feels like we're completely missing the conversation about Gabriel Davis this offseason. It's is he bad versus is he good? No, he's good. That's not in debate. Gabriel Davis is not a bad player. But the method by which he wins down the field is better suited for a smaller amount of targeted role. The offensive passing game was more efficient when you had Cole Beasley getting 112 targets and Gabriel Davis fighting with Emmanuel Sanders and Dawson Knox for three, four, and five in targets. I like Gabriel Davis. I don't want him to be number two on this team in targets. It's the exact same conversation as the Jalen Hyatt conversation. I like Gabriel Davis. I like Jalen Hyatt. I don't want to spend a number one on Jalen Hyatt because I don't want to spend a number one on a player that I simultaneously don't want to have 90 or 100 targets going to. Because in order to use them at their most effective, you need those targets to be significantly far down the field. I don't want 90 targets going 17 yards down the field. It's going to make the offense less efficient. It makes the offense have a harder time of moving the sticks. Did any of us love YOLO Josh at the end of the year? We were just bombing it all over the place. 
No, we want it more efficient. The way you do that is you make sure that the receivers who are getting the number one and number two targets can win on multiple levels. I like Gabriel Davis. I want him to continue to be on this team. I'm completely okay having him as the, the secondary boundary receiver. As long as you find somebody else who can be your number two in targets the way that Cole Beasley was when he got 112 in this offense. Which means if you want to go out and get a Josh Downs in round two and funnel 112 targets to him and Gabriel Davis goes down from 90 targets to 62, I am golden with this. We need to get out of the headspace of this is a Gabriel Davis is bad conversation. This is a Gabriel Davis is good conversation. No, it's not about whether or not he is good or is not. It's about what he's good at and how best to make that fit the team that you're on. You might be thinking, but Bruce, Gabriel Davis has a high first down rate and a high touchdown rate. Of course he does. We recognize that ADOT is a factor when it comes to catch rate. People who defend Gabriel Davis say, well, of course his catch rate's lower He's catching the ball farther down the field. That's the exact same reason why his first down rate and touchdown rate are higher. Because he's catching the ball farther down the field. Both of these things, the good and the bad, they are both arisen out of the same concept. And that is, Gabriel Davis wins down the field. So they throw the ball to him down the field. And there should be a role in an offense for that. It's just not the number two targeted player in the offense. I like Gabriel Davis. The team clearly likes Gabriel Davis. I would like Gabriel Davis to stay on this team, please. And I'm completely okay if he's your other boundary receiver. He's also a great blocker, ladies and gentlemen. Like, essentially a move tight end level blocker from Gabriel Davis. If you got yourself a Mike Gusecki in place of Gabriel Davis, that would be a blocking downgrade. Gabriel Davis doesn't suck. He has outperformed his draft position and is absolutely considered to be a hit by Brandon Beam. That's a hit. You got a boundary player who gets you six to 800 yards a year in the fourth round? That's a win. If you isolated all of the this guy wins mostly down the field players in the NFL, he'd be looking pretty good in that group. I just want him to be third or fourth in the pecking order because that's where people who only win down the field and longer into the play should be in the pecking order. We're having the wrong conversation about Gabriel Davis the entire year. Gabriel Davis good versus Gabriel Davis bad. No, Gabriel Davis is good. What is he good at and where does that fit into an offense? And as I was having a conversation about Jalen Hyatt on Twitter, I said, why are there people who understand this concept about Gabriel Davis, but don't understand about Jalen Hyatt or understand it about Jalen Hyatt, but don't understand about Gabriel Davis. It's the same conversation. And that doesn't mean they're the same prospect. Don't misunderstand me because they're not. But how do you value a receiver who wins in this specific way is the conversation. It's a what role is most optimal for Gabriel Davis and Jalen Hyatt and the team employing them as well. I don't think the answer to that question is number two on your team in targets. If you want to make Dawson Knox that guy, I'm cool with that too. 
If you want to draft Josh Downs, I'm cool with that too. If you want to draft Jordan Addison, I'm cool with that too. But in order for us to have, as Buffalo Bills fans, a team that we watch that has the most efficient passing offense possible, you don't want an average distance of target that's 10.2 for your quarterback for an entire year. You don't want that at all. Now, you might be thinking right now, well, Bruce, the Bills passing DVOA was better in 2022 than it was in 2021. We want 2020 version of Josh Allen. We're comparing the wrong years. I think we can all agree 2020 is probably the best season for Josh Allen in his career. His dot was 9.3. He had Cole Beasley getting tons of targets. That was the year Beasley got 107 targets. Stephon Diggs got 166. And Gabriel Davis got 62. You ever wonder where I came up with that number? 62? Completely fine with Gabriel Davis. Please do not misinterpret this and do not miss the point. We are having the wrong conversation. Gabriel Davis should do Gabriel Davis things. And we shouldn't get mad at him for doing Gabriel Davis things. We should ask that there be another player involved that can get the targets in the short and intermediate parts of the field. Don't ask Gabriel Davis to be a 90 target number two guy and then get mad when he's not this all around do everything receiver. He's just doing the thing he's always done. The way he did it when he was a rookie, the way he did it at University of Central Florida, this is the guy he is. Don't get mad at Gabriel Davis and say, oh, Gabriel Davis is bad. No, Gabriel Davis is just doing the things that Gabriel Davis does. Don't ask him to carry 90 or 100 targets in your offense. Because if you do, those 90 or 100 targets are going to have to be farther down the field. And if you do that, the offense is going to be less efficient. It might be more explosive, but you're going to have a hard time moving the chains the way you want to because players who have an average depth of target, number one in the league, are not supposed to have 100 targets. We call that YOLO ball, and nobody wants that. Just let Gabriel Davis do Gabriel Davis things. That's my discussion. That's the conversation we should be having. It shouldn't be about whether or not Gabriel Davis is a good player. Gabriel Davis is a good player. He's already outperformed expectations. He's already a W. Just don't ask him to be something he's not. And look at the Buffalo Bills and say, hey guys, find me someone you can give 90 targets to where those 90 targets don't have to be 16.8 yards down the field. That's perfectly fine for someone you're going to give 60 targets to. It becomes suboptimal when it's 90 targets. And yeah, we're splitting hairs on a really good passing offense. We 100% are. That's a real thing. This was a good passing offense last year, ladies and gentlemen. And I anticipate it'll be a good passing offense moving forward because it's got Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. But if we're looking for ways to get over the hump, if you're looking for ways to go from great to greater, this is something. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because we were having the conversation about Jalen Hyatt 
and how I don't want to spend a one on him because I don't think he ever profiles as the kind of guy you want to give 100 targets to. And that's the exact same conversation we should be having about Gabriel Davis, not whether or not he sucks. He does not suck. But we're not willing to have the conversation in the middle somewhere. The fact that Gabriel Davis doesn't suck, you just want him ideally to be the guy that Gabriel Davis is instead of asking him to be a do-it-all player that you're going to give 90 or 100 targets to. So, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We did some of the things. We talked about some of the things we want to talk about. We're going to power through my first-round mock draft, my final one right now. I didn't actually think it was going to go this long, so it's going to be a little bit longer of an episode, but I'm going to try and do this fairly quickly. So this is it. This is the end. Most of the time, you're trying to do a thought experiment with a mock draft. They're intended to see how the field would react if a specific variable is changed. What if the Texans don't take a quarterback? What if Jalen Carter falls? What if Will Levis falls? What if Tyree Wilson goes ahead of Will Anderson? Things like that. So I decided this year I was going to do something different. I usually do my mock draft like two days before the draft, but I felt like I was getting more manipulated by some of the buzz that happens right up to the draft. So I decided this year I was going to try something completely different. I was going to do it the weekend before the draft and not touch it at all, regardless of what I heard. So I'll go back and look and see if I was more right or less right by doing it this way, by ignoring all of the buzz I hear the week of the NFL draft because you don't really know what's smoke and what's not. So I'll go back and I'll evaluate it later. Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, quarterback. Houston Texans, Tyree Wilson, defensive end, Texas Tech. Indianapolis Colts in a projected trade up with the Cardinals. Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Arizona Cardinals moving down one slot. Will Anderson, defensive end, Alabama. Seattle Seahawks, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, Georgia. Detroit Lions, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback, Illinois. Las Vegas Raiders. C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State, Atlanta Falcons. Nolan Smith, defensive end, Georgia. Number nine, Chicago Bears. Peter Skaronsky, offensive guard, Northwestern. Number 10, The Tennessee Titans in a projected one-spot trade-up with Philadelphia Eagles. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle, Georgia. 11, Philadelphia Eagles, projected trade down with the Titans. Bijan Robinson, running back, Texas. Houston Texans at number 12, Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver, Ohio State. New York Jets, 13. Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle, Ohio State. I know that they're drafting at 15 now. That happened after I did this mock draft. So, I know, I'm aware. 14. New England Patriots, Darnell Wright, offensive tackle, Tennessee. 15, Green Bay Packers, Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, TCU. Number 16, Washington Commanders, Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, Oregon. Number 17, Pittsburgh Steelers, Joey Porter Jr., cornerback, Penn State. Minnesota Vikings at number 18 with a projected trade-up with the Detroit Lions. Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky. Tampa Bay, Anton Harrison, offensive tackle, Oklahoma. New York Giants, trading up with the Seahawks to get Zay Flowers, wide receiver from Boston College. Los Angeles Chargers, Jordan Addison, wide receiver USC. Baltimore Ravens at 22, Deontay Banks, cornerback Maryland. 23, 
Detroit Lions because they traded down with the with the Vikings. Brian Breezy, interior defensive lineman, Clemson. Jacksonville Jaguars, Brian Branch, safety, Alabama. Seattle Seahawks, projected trade down with the Giants, John Michael Schmitz, interior offensive lineman, Minnesota. Number 26, Dallas Cowboys, Dalton Kincaid, tight end, Utah. Number 27, the Houston Texans traded up with the Buffalo Bills and took Hendon Hooker, quarterback, Tennessee. Cincinnati Bengals took Michael Mayer at 28, tight end Notre Dame. 29, the Saints took Osiris Torrance into your offensive line, Florida. The Eagles took Dewand Jones, offensive tackle, Ohio State at 30. And the Kansas City Chiefs took Miles Murphy, defensive end Clemson, at 31. So that wasn't quite as much fun as you would have thought because the Bills traded out. They gave up their first round pick and pick 205 in this mock, which is in the sixth round, in exchange for 33 overall, 104 overall, and 161 overall. So they got 33, they got a fourth, and they got a fifth for 27 and a six. The Steelers took Cody Mock, offensive tackle from North Dakota State at 32 overall, which means the Bills are on the clock at 33, and they took... Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle, Michigan. One of the ways you can deal with smaller linebackers is by having bigger defensive tackles. I think there's a chance that we see a slight philosophical change in the Bills' defense with head coach Sean McDermott taking over as play caller. He mentioned a little bit of that during his most recent press conference and how you need to stay on top of where the league is trending with defensive schemes. That's part of the thought process here. The Bills have zero interior defensive linemen currently under contract for 2024, as I mentioned. And no matter if they lose Ed Oliver as their starting three-technique defensive tackle, Daquan Jones as their starting one-technique defensive tackle, or both, Mozzie Smith can be developed to play either role. He was the top player on Bruce Feldman's freaks list this past year, which outlines the most gifted athletes in college football. Smith fits the idea that the Bills like to bet on traits early in the draft and trust their coaches to develop the player. If you watched Mazzy Smith against a potential top 40 player in TCU's left guard Steve Avila, you will see he has ability to disengage from a good player when he needs to fill against the run or rush the passer. And he played an absurd amount of snaps against top competition. 49 snaps per game against Power 5 teams per pro football focus, which might make him an even more effective player in a rotation because that is absurd for a 323-pound man. The Bills could absolutely look at a player like Mozzie Smith and think that the deficiencies can be coached, but the traits cannot be. That, combined with their serious looming numbers issues at the position and the value placed on the defensive line by both Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, makes Smith the pick. That is my predictive look at it. Last year, I had the Bills taking a corner. I got it right. I got the wrong corner. We will see. Always a little complicated when it goes to trade up or trade down because you never know how it's going to happen. One of the things I love about predictive mock drafts and then watching it play out is the domino effect of everything. One thing changes at the top, which changes the way one team behaves, 
which changes the way they trade up. We talked about before that the best mock drafts in the world get like eight picks right. Last year, I got all of the first six picks right and then barely any of the rest. This year, it's even crazier. I'd be shocked if I got five in the entire first round. It's awesome. So let's sit back, enjoy it, and understand that, listen, it may be a game of competing priorities. We may have a lesson to learn by talking about my dog, Drax. But you know what? He's a happy dog. He's grabbing his slipper and wagging his butt. And yeah, he's conflicted in that moment, but he's just happy to be here. Just like me. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.